if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and, and get that out. And we want to go into the Word. Go to Colossians chapter 2. I've been teaching a series, uh, of course, interrupted with uh, Christmas, but uh, teaching a series called The Perfect Life. And uh, I want to go, go a little bit further with this today. If you've been with us, you know the pathway we're on and the, the revelation knowledge that has come forth. Uh, but we want to continue with this today. Again, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It reads, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And so in short, we grab the language of the perfect life from this statement that we are complete in him. All right? So if someone is in Christ, then they have all that they need. They, have, they are a completed work, you could say. All that Jesus suffered and died and again was raised from the dead to provide for us is there in Christ. It, we, we, we do not want to uh, think or, or believe or talk to God as if he's holding out on us. There's something I need and you're keeping it away. My lack is not due to God's lack of supply or, or lack of something that he has done. If I am coming up short in any area, this would be primary that I discover and find out what I have in Christ. Because when I do, I see in him I have completion. I'm not missing anything. There's nothing uncomplete, unfinished. It's all there. Now, I might be looking for what I want somewhere else, and I say, why isn't this working? How come, Lord, how come you're not giving this to me? No, he did. He just put it in Christ. And so my, my job then, my focus would be to find out who I am in him, what I already have, what I already possess, what I already can do in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if this seems basic, it's, it, it, it might be, uh, but it's also deep. I, I see it as you know, new believers, brand new believers, this is what you need to learn. There's so many things that, that matter less than this. And uh, it's a vital revelation for people today, for believers today, to know the finished work of Christ. Finished, completed, done. What did he already do? If I can grasp that, then uh, that's the beginning of me enjoying those perks, those benefits, those gifts, those, those things that God provided by his grace for us to walk in. Think about this. Um, when someone believes opposite of this, they believe God hasn't done what he says he has done in Christ. They believe that, you know, they're lacking in these areas. Their approach to God, at, when I say their approach in prayer and worship, coming before the Lord it might look wrong, all right? Many of us are familiar with the, the Psalms that tell us to come into his gates with thanksgiving. It's Psalm 100 and verse four. 
enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So the proper way to approach God is with thankfulness. I come in grateful. But the question could be raised, for what? What am I thanking him for? Am I just going before God saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, for what? If you came up to me doing that, say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I would say, I'm, I'm waiting for the, you know, the punchline, like, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do for you that you're thankful for? And, and I think that's appropriate with the Lord. And that's a good question. What are you thankful for? Now, here's where the natural side of us would gravitate. We'd, we'd run through our physical blessings and say, okay, I'm thankful. I have, you know, maybe I have good health or I have a job or I have a home or I have a family. And we're thinking of these things and say, thank you, Lord. And that's right. That's appropriate to do that. But I tell you, for the person in Christ, that is not the sum total of what we're going to God with thanks for. In other words, I am acknowledging independent of what I see or feel that I have been given blessing and blessings in Christ. That means I come before him with thanksgiving and I'm thanking him for many things that I don't even see. I'm thanking him for things that I don't feel. In fact, I might be thanking him for things that look opposite of what my life is and experiencing right now. In other words, I could have pain and say, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. That is a proper way to approach God who has already given us everything we need in Christ. Hallelujah. And so it's not just thankful for what I see and feel. It's thankful because of what Jesus has done. Now, I have to be aware of that. I mean, why, why would I do that? Why would I say, thank you, Lord, that I've been given your Holy Spirit. I have redemption through your blood, his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Why would I do that? It's because I believe it. Why wouldn't I do that? Because I don't believe it. Right? I don't believe I have it. I believe God's still keeping it out. He's holding back on me. He's withholding for some reason. So that's why I wouldn't do that. If I did believe it, I would say thank you. Everybody okay? Hallelujah. Amen. And, and, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reads, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything do what? Give thanks. Now let me state the obvious, okay? Obviously, I'm not giving thanks to God for something that he didn't give me. Okay. There is some really bogus teaching out there you have to be on guard for. It's like, thank God for your cancer. Thank God your car blew up. Thank God your dog died. You know, whatever. Thank, he didn't do that. He's not the one who did that. So why would you thank him for that? If you came up to me and said, uh, Pastor Mark, just thank you. For what? For the flat tire. <laughs> so I didn't flatten your tire. Why are you thanking me for that? That's weird. Plus, if I did, would you really be thanking me? You've got to screw loose. You don't thank, thank. Even if God was behind our problems, would we thank him for it? Would we say, what's going on here? 
right? But he's not. We thank him for what he has done. Hallelujah. And what, and what he has done for us, again, exceeds what we physically see at times or feel. What he has done for us is in Christ. That means I can grab any one of those completions and say, thank you for it. And that's the right way to approach God. So the wrong way to approach God is, I don't have enough. I need. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking. That's the wrong way to approach God. If I'm in Christ, I thank God for what he's already given me. Not enter into his presence with whining in your heart. <laughs> not, seriously, not enter into his presence with need. Enter into his presence with thanksgiving. That's right way. And we thank God for what he has already done. And this is, you know, why we go and say, thank you for your grace, for the victory that I have overcome in Christ. You've given me your name. You've given me your word. Thank you, Lord. Now I can use that to overcome any circumstance that's, that's uh, uh, facing me. Praise God. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the rest. I mentioned to you a few uh, parts back in this series uh, from Hebrews chapter 12 that it says that Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. Remember? And we, 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 we posed the statement, raised the question, why did Jesus sit down? And the reason he sat down was, it was because he was finished, right? He was, he was done. And if you think about it, in Ephesians chapter 2, the scripture says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So he sat down because he was done. The work of redemption was complete. And then we are seated with him. Why? Because we are, to be, we are also to consider the work done. He did it for us and we're seated with him. All right. Well, again, why do you sit down after a long day's work? Well, because the long day's work is over. Now it's time to kick back. Now it's time to rest. Spiritually, this is what the believer's position is in the new covenant, is we are resting. We're not striving. We are not trying to obtain. We're saying it's already finished for us. We've already overcome in Christ. In him, we have the victory. We have healing. We have provision. We have we have the blessing of the Lord. It's a finished work. Therefore, I'm no longer going to try to get it not going to act like God is withholding. I'm going to sit down with the Lord Jesus and say, boom, fist bump. You did it, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's sure good to be seated right here. It's sure nice to be up here with you. Far above all the mess and all the curse and all the junk. It's a finished work. Now it is time to rest. And so turn with me then to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Uh, so Jesus sat, and since he worked on our behalf, we also sit regarding working for what he freely gave us by his grace. Of course, you understand the context of what I'm saying here. Nobody, uh, no, no, no lazy bum take this and say, the pastor said I don't need a job. I'm not talking about physical labor. You should work. <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, not physically doing anything in this life. I'm just going to hang out on my couch because the work is finished and we've learned to rest. That's not healthy. I'm talking about a position of faith where we rest. This is what we got to uh, 
get established in our thinking. So, so watch, I'm no longer striving to get healed. That's a spiritual blessing provided in Christ, healing for the physical body. You know how people talk and say, well, I've really been battling. I'm, I'm battling a cold or I'm, I'm fighting cancer or something like that. I, I encourage you to stop doing that. Stop fighting it. You see, you mean let it win? No, I mean rest in Jesus because he already defeated it. He already conquered it. And if I put myself in the fighting mode, I'm acting like that thing still has a right to be in my life. Like it's empowered and it has power over me as a child of God. No, I'm going to sit with Jesus and say, Lord, remember when you defeated that? Thank you for taking those stripes upon your back. You did it for my healing. That part's done. Woo, glory to God. So I'm resting. I'm not trying to, I'm not in this battle with cancer. Like it's a, like it's a, uh, we're in the same arena and it's it against me. No, it was that thing. It was that demon against Jesus and it didn't stand a chance. And here's the good news. You got a, you got a health problem. Jesus already whipped it. Jesus already took it down. Amen. It tapped out a long time ago. So Hebrews chapter uh, four Beginning in verse 1, we're going to read several verses here. That's why I had you turn to this so you can see it for, your, for yourself. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, and that's a key word I want you to focus on, entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So people can, in the New Covenant now, New Testament, enter what's called rest. Okay, are you resting? And what does that mean? And if, you're, if you don't even know what it means, you're probably not doing it. Uh, uh, let's see, verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now the them here refers to the Israelites coming out of Egypt heading towards the promised land. The land of Canaan, the land that flows with milk and honey. They, they were going to a place that was a physical place of prosperity and blessing and rest. Where, uh, and, and they had some trouble along the way, as you know. It goes on to say, but the word which they heard, uh, uh, that's right, the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the word they heard was that God had given them the land, that God was, uh, had given them the land of Canaan. That was the good news or the gospel to them. This is God's provision. He delivered you so you can enter in. But what did they do? They heard that word, but they didn't believe it. Or they didn't mix faith with it. How many know God's words still work that way? It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to mix faith with it. When we believe what we hear, it becomes operative and we get the benefits of whatever was contained within that promise. But it's entirely possible to hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, and just kind of mentally assent to it or just... Just kind of let it, as we say, go in one ear and out the other. I mean, no, so I don't understand. I've been in church for years and I'm still struggling. Well, uh, what are you doing with the word? That's right. That would be a valid question. Are you hearing and believing it? All right. So how do I know if I really believe it? Well, you change the way you act. Okay. Uh, uh, but they didn't mix faiths with them, so it didn't profit them. For Verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest. How do I get to the rest? The seated position? I believe. 
My believing puts me in that position. If I don't believe, I'm still working. I'm still striving. I'm still trying to get it. Uh, as, uh, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That was the generation that had to die in the wilderness. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken uh, in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. So look at the comparison. He's talking about faith, but he compares it to creation in Genesis. Six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. He compares it to them believing the promise of the land is yours, so you can go in and get it. All right. This is all compared to and used to illustrate us entering into the rest of God. Okay. Now, uh, when you think about God creating the world, how did, uh, why did he take uh, the seventh day off? Why create and then rest? I mean, if we think of it from a human standpoint, we think I've worked all week. I need a break. I'm tired. I need to kick back. I'm, I need to replenish. But how many know God doesn't need to replenish? He doesn't need a break in that regard. In fact, Isaiah 40 in verse 28 reads, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So God doesn't get tired. He didn't take the seventh day to rest because whew, that was a long week, long week of creation. Why, say, why did he rest then? Just because he was finished. He was done. When, you're, when you have a, a work, we have a job and you complete it, then you sit down because you're done. Hallelujah. Right? Amen. Amen. And, uh, and that, that principle of God being done is used to illustrate how we are to relate to him and how we are to act today. The work is finished, so now we, we rest. Now, now we're done. Amen. Amen. And so, and so God, again, God wasn't tired. He was just finished. There was nothing else left to do. In fact, the way he, he made the earth was he made it self-perpetuating. So he created it, and then it carries on, and we reproduce, and, and, and so forth. And so he didn't need to continually make it go. Verse 6, since uh, therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Now, again, into the promised land. Why didn't they get in? It says disobedience. What disobedience was that? That's called not believing. Many times people think of disobedience as just the Lord said, don't lie. And I told a lie. That's disobedience. Okay, certainly that is. Their disobedience was not believing what he said. I mean, it's, I like this because it's like jolting. It's a little bit harsh because we don't often do that. We, we want to we placate our doubts. Oh, I'm just struggling with my faith. When people say, oh, you just don't. You just, you're just kind of weak in faith. It's okay. You're disobeying God. Now, I mean, I know, I know that sounds kind of, kind of harsh. It's like, but I think sometimes we need that. We need to do it to ourselves. 
where we'll shake ourselves and say, would you knock it off? You're whining and fear and, and worry and stress and all this stuff. Would you stop that and just get in faith and believe God? I know sometimes that is what will turn the corner for people because they know better. And they, you know, we, we allow ourselves to just be emotional in some areas and we need to grab ourselves and say, that is disobedience. You're, call, you're calling into question God's integrity. You're saying he said it, but he won't do it. You're saying he promised you this, but he's not faithful to perform it in your life. And when we use that kind of language, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, bless God, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to believe. What does that believing look like? Resting. Meaning I'm not striving. I'm not worrying. I'm not all anxious about it. It's I am resting in what he said. He said it, so I believe it. Praise God. So they didn't get in because of their, their disobedience. Verse 7, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, uh, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. So all that is, is really typology of what is true after Jesus was raised from the dead. Verse nine, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. That's us. Everybody say it out loud. There remains, there remains. a rest, rest. For, me. for me. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And isn't that Christianity 101 right there? I cannot work my way into heaven. You find any religious cult around the world and they will all violate that statement. They will all seek on their own to achieve some standard of worthiness or acceptance or deserving e eternal life. And that's the opposite of reality. That's why the devil thrives in religion. But there remains a rest for the people of God. Uh, what do we do? We cease from our own works. I, I give up. I, I can't do it. I'm going to go ahead and trust. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. The same example of disobedience, which was unbelief. What are we going to do? We're going to be diligent. King James Bible says labor to get into the rest. Now, what this is showing us is basically the Sabbath day in the New Covenant, okay? Uh, many are familiar with the seventh day being the day of rest. Then it was, it was instituted in the law as well, the Sabbath day with all of its rules and regulations and, and so forth. And uh, sometimes people wonder, what's, what are we supposed to do with that today? How do we apply that to our lives today? So, you know, as people argue about days of the week and say, well, it used to be the seventh day, but now it's the first day. And uh, that's not really true. Uh, the, the, the Sabbath day, if you want to define it biblically, it's still the seventh day. Well, how does that apply to me? Does that mean I need to go to church on the seventh day rather than the first day? No, it, I think we should maybe like go to church every day sometimes. <laughs> and when we do a conference, we do. And in one sense, many of you do it's with, with going to life groups and, and serving in different capacity. That's church too. And uh, so we're serving God or worshiping God really in any day of the week. Uh, 
uh, today is a, is a, a traditional day and it works. It was, it's in the New Testament as well. But here, here's the point. That is typical. It typifies faith. They were to finish, you know, God in creation and then they move into their, their day of rest. That means the work is finished. Now we rest. When we are in faith, that is the rest that we're talking about. That's the rest that God is talking about. I am saying by faith, Jesus finished the work. Jesus did it all. He completed the task. And therefore, my job is to work, if you will, labor or strive or be diligent to get into the rest. What do you mean? I mean mentally and spiritually, meaning I'm, my heart is convinced that Jesus finished the job. When I can move myself into that mentality, I now rest inwardly. I have peace with God. I have the forgiveness of sins. I have the blessing of the Lord in all areas of my life. There's nothing else I need to do to get it. I can't earn it. I work for it. I'm not going to pretend that God's holding out on me. I'm going to rest. I'm going to sit down with Jesus. Say, what day is today? Sabbath. What about tomorrow? Sabbath. In other words, what day are you going to live by faith? What day of the week are you going to trust in the finished work of Christ that you are complete in him? That's your day of rest. You'll rest at work. You'll rest at home. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because it's an inward conviction about what God has already done. The absence of this puts us into old covenant striving mode. It puts us into performance living, trying to gain God's favor and acceptance through what we do and our faithfulness instead of resting in his faithfulness and saying, he did it all. The work is complete and I'm a beneficiary. I am a recipient of all that God has given me. I am going to inwardly go, thank you, Lord. And I come before him. What, what do I have to say now? Thank you. I enter into the presence of God with thanksgiving. See, if I don't do that, my victory in life and overcoming challenges is going to be completely the result of my own willpower, my own tenacity, uh, and to the extent that those things will help me in different areas, they will, but I tell you, that's limited. And my willpower sometimes gives out, especially if there's cookies and cream around. It's a battle. <laughs> I, I need the grace of God or I'm eating it. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to overcoming more serious issues in life, I need to find that place of rest in order to get victory. And uh, Jesus is interesting when you study what Jesus said about salvation. Because he would, on one hand, make it look really easy. And then on another hand, make it look really hard. And it's by statements like, like these, uh, John 3 and verse 15. Yeah, put, put that up. It says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever does what? Whoever works hard for him, whoever's worthy, whoever's good enough, whoever gives enough in the offering, whoever, you know, puts up the new building, whoever, no, he didn't add any qualifiers. You saying I just need to believe in him and I get eternal life? That's what he said. Whoever believed, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That to me sounds super easy. But then he also said in another context uh, in Matthew 
Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Well, if, it's, if I just need to believe, why are there so few people who are doing this? He said it's difficult. It's a di- so, so what's difficult about believing? What is it about human beings that want to have their hand in it? What's the issue with people who can't seem to embrace that salvation is a freely given gift of God and our efforts and our works and our performance has zero to do with it. A lot of people struggle with that. I've heard well-known people on TV say, you know, they come against Christians saying something like that because they're so afraid of some rascal getting into heaven ahead of them. I just can't believe people can just live their life any old way they want and then just pray a prayer and then they're going to heaven. Okay, difficult is the way. Because they have more faith in what people do or don't do than they do in God's gift of eternal life. And him just saying, you can have it. And you're five years old, you can have it. You're 80 years old and you lived a hellish life, but you sincerely, it's not fake. You can't fake out God. But you turn to him and believe and you're saved. You can be saved on your deathbed. I don't recommend you risk that. But, <laughs> but there are many people who have. They've turned to the Lord at the last minute. I remember praying for someone right over here. They knew they were going to die. They had the diagnosis and they were going to die within a very short time. And they came to church because of that. And uh, they prayed and got saved. And a few days later, I did their funeral. And I got to announce to everyone, uh, last Sunday, this person stood right over here with me. It was a great setup. They prayed and gave their life to Jesus. Is God that merciful? Yes, he is. Say, well, what if they're just going through the motions? I'm not here to judge that. That's between them and God. I don't think he was. I think he knew. I'm in trouble. I better get right with God. But for some, some reason, that's why there's so much religious activity in the world. Everyone wants to have their hand in this. We got to do this. No, you can't just say that. You need to do this, this, and 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 all, all these rules. And the Lord said, no, if you're in him, you're complete. I just need to find my way in him. If I can get in him, I've got everything. How, how do I get in him? Jesus said, if you'll believe. Well, that's hard. Well, I know. But if you can get over yourself. Get over your earning and deserving it and self-pride and ego and everything else and say, I humble myself. I get on my knees before Almighty God and I say, I am insufficient, but you are all sufficient. That I am incapable, but you have made a way through the blood of Jesus. I come boldly and all I'm doing is receiving. I get up to heaven. I'm not banging my chest. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've been merciful to me. And so the difficulty in this is changing our way of thinking from our old views and opinions and beliefs to, uh, to, to new ones. Once, you, once, you, once we've changed on this heart level, okay, the, our heart level beliefs, then we enter into rest. If I don't change that belief, I don't rest because I can't. My life is on the line and I got problems and there are issues and I can't rest unless I change my heart. 
and fully rely, depend on what Jesus did for me. And I'm not just talking about eternal life because many of us, we, we have gone there and we do fully trust in the finished work of the Lord, the blood of Jesus for our eternal salvation. But sometimes we backtrack on that when it comes to day-to-day living. And now we're striving again. But entering into rest is, a, is an earthly thing we do. We do it here, trusting that he has accomplished all that we need to live in his, in his best, to live in his blessing all of our days. Amen. So again, the word there is labor. King James says labor to enter into it. New King James says be diligent to enter into it. Do whatever it takes to get yourself into that place. Because once you're into that place, God's blessings abide there. And I'm not trying to get God to do it. I'm not struggling anymore. I'm just struggling to keep myself in that position. That's why I want to read the word every day. That's why I want to hear teaching like this one. And I want to meditate on the scriptures and and let these thoughts fill my heart. And when I have questions, I seek for answers so I I can be firmly rooted and established and not go through life questioning the things that I don't understand. And so, praise God. If this takes time... Uh, then do that. Uh, but we don't have to pray. Listen, this is a new thought for some people I know, but you don't have to pray to ask God to heal you or prosper you. You really don't. We just enter into the New Testament Sabbath. New Covenant Sabbath. What was that? It's a life of faith. I believe Jesus already provided all the blessing. And the curse has been broken through what he did. This is faith in the finished work of the cross. Amen? Amen. So while many people are still living in the Old Testament shadows, it's time for us to come into the new covenant light. And it's in the new covenant light, it is a place of rest. Hebrews 4.11, let me read it one more time, but from the Amplified Bible. It's the, the last verse that we read. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. So they fell because they didn't strive to enter the rest of believing. Amen? So we do whatever it takes to get ourselves in faith. When I first started learning some of these principles, not this exact message, but the principles of faith, I can remember spending hours and hours listening to men of God teach the word. Just hours and hours taking notes. What was I doing? Well, I was excited on the inside, but my mind had to change. I had to think different. I had to renew myself in, 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 what I, in what I thought so I could go out of there believing. I wasn't in there hours and hours begging God to help me. No, I was believing, and I couldn't have explained it like this then, but I was believing that he was for me, that his word was true, and so I'm just trying to get his way of thinking into my life. And when I came out of there, whoo, glory to God. Blessings started to work for me. I remember when I had a, when I had a, my back was so, my back was so bad. I was milking cows in these days. And so, you know, uh, 
milking cow, we had to lean over just a little bit. If you ever had a really low, bad lower back, you lean over just a little bit, it was excruciating. And I'm up on my feet for hours and hours milking the cows, and, and, and I'm endeavoring to learn this. Say, so didn't you get someone else to pray? I did, but it still hurt. <laughs> so what do I do? I've never, we never give up. We figure out what's, where's the disconnect is until we get the victory. And, uh, and I'd, I'd be milking the cows saying, I am healed. I am healed. And it wasn't all by hand, you know, you put machines on. But I'm healed. I am whole. I am strong. I am well. And my back was screaming at me. I'd get, I'd get done with it from the day, and I'd take a shower, and I'd get dressed to go out and, you know, do fun things, and I couldn't reach down to tie my shoes. I couldn't even bend over. I would lay on my back and pull my legs toward me, and then I could do it. <laughs> and, uh, and I would all the while be saying, thank you, Lord, that I am. Thank you, Lord, you've already given this to me. Thank you, Lord, that by Jesus' stripes I am. Now, most people didn't know I was doing this because I was just working this out between me and the Lord. I was being diligent. I, again, I didn't probably even know this verse. I was being diligent to enter the rest. And, uh, and thank God. See, what happened? Well, it changed. I remember, the first day, I remember the first day I sneezed. Now, as, as weird as that might sound, when, my, when it hurt so bad, I couldn't sneeze. Because, you know, if you had a, a sneeze coming, it, you'd go. <coughs> <laughs> Everything would tighten up because you couldn't. <coughs> and, I, and I remember driving down the road and I sneezed. And I went, yes. <coughs> because my, it, was, it was better. And then there was this minister that I, was, that was, I would ask questions to. And they prayed for me. And they knew it, wasn't, it didn't leave right away. But I went and uh, uh, greeted him. I just talked to him. I said, hey, how's it going? Good. And I went and I bent down and I touched my toes. And uh, I could do it. <laughs> and he was shouting with me and praising God. And uh, I love immediate healings, And that's the way it, it can be. But it wasn't, if it's not, what do you do? <laughs> you figure out how to make the connection. I think this is it. What you do, you labor to enter into the rest. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here. Thank you for helping each and every one. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, Congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday 
and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you. Thank you.